بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد ہُسلی علیہ رسول الکریم اماباد الحمد للہ چنائی از دا تھرٹی فسٹ آف آگسٹ ان دا ایئر in which we are now discussing the important subject of sacred knowledge and related matters. And one of the narrations I mentioned was the report from our beloved messenger, in which he said, When a day comes upon me, on which my knowledge that draws me nearer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not increase, then may the dawn of that day not bring blessings upon me. Recorded in Tabarani in his Ausat Abu Nu'im. So here the Prophet was highlighting that you should make it your life's aim to daily acquire the sacred knowledge which brings you nearer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the Prophet said, if I don't do that, may that day not be blessed for me. So this is why our beloved messenger famously said, Two greedy ones can never be satiated. The seeker of knowledge and the seeker of the world. They called him Behaki, it is Shu'abbal Iman, Bazaar Mishkat. And Shaykh Al-Bani stated Sahih in Sahih Al-Jami 2-1125. So here the Prophet was highlighting again the same that the seeker of knowledge, he can never be satisfied, meaning he's never happy with what he's acquired until he eventually passes away. Reflect also upon the revulsion of those who have no desire to learn from the Holy Prophet Isa, where he said, those who do not desire it, I knowledge, are worse than swine. Those who do not desire it, I knowledge, are worse than swine. This is recorded in Abdul Razak and Al Bidayah. So, what do we know about Isa? The report mentions that in his second coming, the swine will be eradicated. So, this doesn't mean he's going around killing all the pigs. Because in Imam Malik's Muwatta, Isa said to a pig, go peacefully in the path of Allah. So what does it mean he will eradicate the pig? It means that everybody will become Muslim. So nobody will be touching it. But they would then be left to do what they were created to do and that is to hoover up, they call the uh, nature's hoover. They eat all the truck. Here, he's talking about knowledge. Those who desire, do not desire it, they're worse than swine. So if somebody calls you a pig, that's an insult. But according to Isa, that's not enough an insult. If you don't desire to acquire knowledge, because you're worse than a swine. The glaring sign of this is that those who strive incessantly in this are those whom you will find with the freshest and firmest iman. So isn't that a glaring sign? A person who struggles to acquire knowledge, makes effort, his iman is fresh. Allah Ta'ala blesses them. 
And the opposite is also true. To prove this, it is related that a man had once praised the people for their righteousness and eagerness to do good deeds. Upon which Salman and Farsi said, This is a sign of Iman being fresh and superb. Note how a fresh animal carried a load easily. However, when it weakens, it then struggles. In Abu Nu'aym al-Hilya, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 348 to 9 of the New English Translation. So what happened? This man entered a locality. And imagine you enter a locality with his all saintly souls. You know, you'd be shocked thinking, you know, where, where have I entered? Is this, you know, the land of the old year? So this man literally saw everywhere people were so strong. So when he came and he saw Salman al-Farsi, Salman al-Farsi explained why that was. He goes, this is because Iman is fresh. It's, it's strong. Then look at the beautiful analogy he gave. Note how a fresh animal carries a load easily. So if your Iman is strong, deeds become easy. Just like it's easy for a strong animal to carry a heavy load. But when it weakens, Salman said, it struggles. Thus, eagerness to learn equals a healthy Iman, equals the ease to do good deeds. Was little or no desire to learn equals a weak Iman, which equals difficulty in performing good deeds. It's not, you know, it's not brain surgery. You know, it's actually quite straightforward. So when a person is saying, and how many people say this, my iman is weak. So the response to that is, what efforts are you making to preserve your iman? Then he gives you that glazed look. You know, as if you asked a question which is baffling to you. And he's, what are you talking about? He goes, well, iman needs to be looked after. What are you doing to look after it? And the usual response is, little or nothing. Then what did you expect? Your iman becomes weak and then deeds become difficult. Just like the animal that's weak can't carry a load. But if you are working on your iman, you're learning about your deed, your iman gets strong, then the deeds become easy. So Salman al-Farsi told that man, you entered a locality where they were strong. This is why you were saying what you were saying. But if the iman is weak, because they'll find it difficult. Thus, Sufyan al-Thawri, he said, Mankind is more in need of knowledge than even bread and meat. Subhanallah. This is in Abu Na'im al-Hilya 7-659. So, Sufyan al-Thawri, from the era of the Salaf, he was a giant. In fact, there was a school which has become extinct. It was called the Thawri school, like the Hanafis, Maliki, Shafis. So, he was an imam. He said, mankind is not equally in need of knowledge, that you need bread and meat. It's more in need of knowledge. So imagine you go to a person, you don't need bread, you don't need meat. What's he going to say, especially in today's day and age? He said, what are you talking about? He goes, that is the staple diet. And he goes, so do you consider it quite important for you, for you to have bread and meat? And he goes, yes. 
there's something more important than bread and meat that you need. Is what's that? Because knowledge. And how much of our time do we consume in pursuit of our food and drink? Subhanallah, but it is only the wise who will reflect. Now think about that. How much effort do we take to make sure that our fridges are full? Our freezers are, you know, we got food for the year, never mind the week. And the response is you make effort for that. Then why are you making effort with your iman? Because how do I make effort on my iman? Learn about your deen, which draws you nearer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Consider also the words of our beloved messenger when he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, is Iman entirely. Al-Yaqeen is Iman entirely. This is in Behaki Khatib, Imam Ghazali, Rahmatullah, in his Ihya, volume 1, page 167 of the English translation. So what's Yaqeen? Yaqeen in most languages means certainty. It means certainty. You know, in Urdu, if you say Yaqeen, it means certainty. In Pashto, you say Yaqeen, it means certainty. In Arabic, he has got many meanings. That is one of the meanings, certainty. It also means conviction, and it also means death. Allah Ta'ala mentions at the end of Surah Al-Hijr, the very last verse, Worship your Lord until Yaqeen. Worship your Lord until death. The Prophet explained that in Sayyid Bukhari, Yaqeen means death. It's a certainty. So the Prophet here said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Al-Yaqeen is Iman entirely. Because there's nothing left. You've got your Iman. That's 100% of Iman. Clarifying further. In Hakim al-Tirmidhi, in his Nawadil al-Usul, Imam Ghazali, Rahmatullah, in his Ihya volume 1, page 168 of the English translation, it was asked, Ya Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, a man has a very strong iman, but he commits many sins. Whilst another man worships much, but has a weak iman, who is better? The Prophet said, Know that there is no man who does not commit sin. However, he who is intelligent by nature and has iman, will not face punishment for he will repent and seek forgiveness. Thus, he will be forgiven and also have enough piety with him to get him admittance into paradise. So this is actually a very comprehensive report. So it needs to be broke down. So the question was a very important question, very intelligent question. you got a person with a strong iman, but he's committing many sins. Now, if that was an incorrect statement, the Prophet would have corrected it. He didn't correct it. Then, another man, he worships much, meaning he does a lot of worship, but his Iman's weak. The Prophet didn't correct that, which is fascinating. But then the question was, who's better? What a question. So the Prophet, the first thing he wanted to highlight there is no man who doesn't commit sin, meaning everybody commits sin. The Prophet himself said, all of the children of Adam, uh, with the best of them, repent. In Ibn Majid. Then, look what he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He who is intelligent, meaning he's been given aql, and has iman, 
he will not face punishment. Why? Because he will repent, he will seek forgiveness. Mm. Meaning he knows how to eradicate the sins. Mm. He will be forgiven. In addition, he'll have enough goodness with him to get him into paradise. Thus, it is far more likely for the learned to return back to our loving Lord when he slips and falls. It is also very important to point out that the fear of not acting on knowledge should not prevent you from acquiring it. So let's break this down. Who was the Prophet praising here? He was praising the one with knowledge. Why? Because what did he say? He repents, he seeks forgiveness. That takes knowledge. And he knows how to do his deeds, which will inshallah secure the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he was praising the learned, the one who's learning about his deen. He goes, it is far more likely he will come back. So who is the strongest out of the two? In a very eloquent manner, the Prophet was saying, the one who has a strong faith, even though he commits many sins. Why? Because he's learning. Knowledge is helping him. The one who worships much but has a weak iman, what's causing that? He's not learning. So it's far more likely that he will not succeed. So the Prophet was highlighting the learned. Another element which is very important, Shaitan whispers into the heart, you should not acquire knowledge. Because if you do, you have to act upon it. How many of you have had that whisper? <laughs> Think about that. This is one of the tricks of shaitan. He goes, don't acquire knowledge. It's better for you not to acquire it. Because once you know that you're in trouble. So how do we know this is a whisper? Hafiz Samarqandi Rahmatullah in his Tanbihul Ghafileen number 338. A man once said to Sayyidina Abu Dhar radiallahu I want to study, but I fear that I will waste it. I will not act upon it. Those, what do you now advise me to do? Abu Dhar radiallahu said, it is better to make knowledge your pillow rather than making ignorance your pillow. Look at all these questions. They've been answered. What was the question that a man asked one of the senior companions? I want to study, but I fear I will waste and not act upon it. So what was preventing him from learning? That whisper. Because I'm scared. I'm not going to act upon it. Abu Dhar, what did he say? You know, again, extremely eloquent. Because when you sleep, you sleep, your head, your head rests on a pillow. It's better that that pillow is knowledge. Then ignorance. What did he mean by that? What he meant was, it is better to make knowledge your pillow, i.e. what you will ultimately rely upon, rather than making ignorance your pillow because you don't know what to rely upon. Have you understood? So when you're learning, even though you're not acting upon it, you now know what to do, even though you're not, not acting upon it. So if you don't start today, you'll start tomorrow. If you don't start tomorrow, it will be in a week's time, in a month's time. But you know what to do. If ignorance is your law, you want to do something, but you might end up causing more harm than good because you haven't got knowledge. 
So Abu Dhar was basically saying in a very eloquent way, don't let that whisper of shaitan stop you. Learn your deen. Right? And inshallah, Allah Ta'ala will give you the tawfiq eventually to act upon this. As the Honorable Abdullah ibn al-Mubarak so beautifully said, Rahmatullah, do not leave acquiring knowledge for practice. Similarly, do not leave practice for acquiring knowledge. This is in Abu Nu'im al-Hilya 7-12. So the great Abdullah ibn al-Mubarak, he put it very simply. He goes, don't leave knowledge because of practice, which was mentioned. But then he says, and don't leave practice because of knowledge. <laughs> Meaning try to put them together. <laughs> However, if you're learning, inshallah, you will act. <laughs> in continuation, those who call to the sunnah are truly priceless. <laughs> now think about this. You get many da'is and they're calling. A da'i actually means to call. It's not an Islamic term. It just means to call. But because Islam is our deen, when you hear the word or you say the word da'i, you think of Islam. But you have to ask yourself, what am I being called to? You understand? If you have a person who's calling you to the sunnah, that is priceless. Abdullah ibn Abbas, he said, just looking at a man for the people of Sunnah who calls to the Sunnah and forbids innovation is worship. This is in Qurtubi in his Tafsir, volume 7, page 203 of the New English Translation. Now think about that. So you're looking at a person who is calling you to the Sunnah and he's warning you of innovation. Ibn Abbas said, just looking at him is worship. Somebody goes, how is that worship? Go and ask Ibn Abbas. Imagine, just looking at him. Allah Ta'ala is recording worship for you. So what does that tell you about the one who's calling to the sunnah? He's priceless. If just looking at him, or her for that matter, you get the reward of worship, then what is the reward for sitting with them? What of their company about which one of the companions said being in their company is not only an act of worship but something more. Being in their company is not only an act of worship but something more. This is in Behaki, Ibn Asakir, Kanzul Omal 8-224, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 5, page 420 of the New English Translation. So now we understand this. What did the Sahaba say? Being in their company is not only worship. So what do you mean not only worship? means looking at them is worship. But being in their company is actually something more. Ziyada. One readily can experience the huge difference in blessings from the one who attends the gatherings of the learned while simply seeing and hearing it from a recording. It is, however, quite difficult to articulate this unless one has experienced it. So how many times do people say, you got the recording, brother, but it's not the same. Then the person's baffled. He goes, well, what, what difference does it make when you're sitting there and hearing it live or you're hearing it on a recording? How difficult is it to explain that? So you said your life, brother, you go, yes, you heard everything is recorded. But I'm telling you, it's not the same. 
So then he goes, explain the difference. And sometimes the bachala doesn't can't explain. He goes, look, I don't know. It's just something that I'm experiencing. So one thing you can say immediately is, you're not looking. <laughs> so he goes, what do you mean I'm looking? What's the difference? Looking is worship. So if I sat there for two hours, I've got two, hour, two hours of worship recorded. If he's calling to the sunnah and warning me of innovations. If you're listening to it, it's not, you don't get that. So there's one obvious difference. And he goes, yeah, that's true. What other difference is there? You, you don't get the rewards. He goes, what rewards? And there you go, it's knowledge again. You know, without knowledge, the guy's bachala, right? He goes, well, you've listened to the talk, mashallah. He's on the group. But you didn't get the word of a hajj. He goes, explain. The Prophet said, whoever comes to the masjid to learn or to teach, he gets the reward of an accepted hajj. Hakim Sayyid. So you haven't got the reward of an accepted hajj. There's another huge difference. Or else, you haven't got the reward of an umrah. What's the reward for umrah? Same wording. The Prophet said, whoever comes to the masjid to learn or to teach, he gets the reward of an umrah. You don't get the reward of spoils. Why? Imam Malik's Muwatta, same wording. It's like you've achieved spoils. So what exactly have you lost out on even though you heard all the talk? Think about that. Even though you've heard all of it. In fact, you might have heard more than the one sitting in the presence. But guess what? He's got more than you. Why? Because he's in the presence. So going back to the report, the Sahaba didn't go into all details. All they said was being in their company not hearing it second hand. Being in their company is not only an act of worship, it is something more. They didn't go into details because they're encouraging you to go. And it's true. Sometimes you might even hear the same, what's interesting from experience. Sometimes you hear a recording, you know, listening to it, whatever. And you, you, you know, you, you, it has an impact. But then when you hear it from a, a sheikh, or a person, you know, with eye-to-eye to eye contact, it hits the heart. And then you're left baffled. You're thinking, well, why is that hit me now? Why didn't I get that understanding? There's another blessing. So note what's happening. If shaitan can't stop you from acquiring knowledge, he will trip you up in other areas. He will start saying, you don't need to go to the masjid. You go to the internet. The sheikh bayans all there. Why do you need to go and see him? And these are his tricks, right? Because he knows that you're going to learn, but he's tripping you up. If you can't stop, he goes, I'll trade, I will reduce his rewards. And this is leaving aside the reward for coming. Each of you who have attended now, how many trees and rocks have you passed? Or plants? So why am I asking that question? The Prophet told one of the companions, every plant or stone you passed, has prayed for your forgiveness because you were, you set out to acquire knowledge. Guess what? You've lost that as well. Think about that. So when you say you've lost, don't just think, oh, it's not too bad. I lost a popadum. Right? You might have lost popadum and takeaway, right? But you haven't lost a popadum, brother. It's heavens and earth what you've lost. And then a person goes, well, at least I've learned. So yeah, right, brother. You know, I'm not saying anything wrong. But when you invest, you want a maximum return. You know, when people you know, invest in stocks and shares, look at the questions they ask. Where should I put it? Where? I think, why are you asking all these questions? I want to get the full returns. When it comes to dunya, he's clicked, he's, you know, he's switched on. 
Which person goes and goes, I'll just put in anything as long as I get as long as I get a return. You think what well, aren't you interested in getting the maximum return? What about your deen? Had not our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, blessings are found amongst your akabirukum. Blessings are found amongst your akabirukum, your great ones. This is in Hakim in his Mustadrak, 1-62 Sahih, Zahabi Sahih. So now let's look at this. Akabirukum, some people mistranslate that. They say the elders. So can it mean elders? Yes, it can. It can mean elder. The Kabail or the elders. There's no doubt about that. But is that what our beloved messenger intended? Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Hafiz Munawi said in Faid al-Qadir 3-220. This means those with a rank with knowledge, even if they are young. It does not necessarily mean elders. So what did Hafiz Munawi say about this hadith? So he's a muhaddith. He goes, when Rasulullah said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, blessings are found amongst your akabirukum, your great ones. He wasn't necessarily talking about elders. He's definitely talking about the people of knowledge. Definitely. Mm. Even if they're young. Now why did he say that? Because you could think, no, he has to have, he has to have a certain age. No. Mm. Even if he's a teenager. Look at the honor Allah has given that person. If he's calling to the sunnah, warning you of innovation, calling you to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Prophet said, he's a great one. Can there be any greater place? Imagine. He didn't say he's a decent person, he's a, he's a good person. Because he's a kabair, he's a great person. Why would the Prophet call him a great person? Because he's a key to goodness. Or she's a key to goodness. So all I mentioned today was again talking about the subject of sacred knowledge. And not every subject in our deen is very extensive, depending on how far you're willing to go. But knowledge, the reason knowledge is the next port of call after Tawheed is because the first verse that Allah Ta'ala revealed to humanity after a 600 or year or so break was Iqra. Mm. Imagine if somebody says to you, Allah Ta'ala hasn't spoken to humanity for 600 years. Mm. And somebody says, what's the first thing he says after 600 years? Isn't that important? <laughs> Don't you think he's going to tell you something very important? The first thing. What was the first thing he told humanity? Iqra. Recite, read. So the scholars say that's the importance of knowledge. And what does Allah Taala then say? Ikra, bismi Rabbi kaladi khalak khalakal insan min alak ikra walabukal akram. Told man what he knew not. Allah Taala is talking about knowledge. He created you from a congealed clot of blood, the most noble, the honourable. He taught you when you knew nothing. He taught you. Allah Ta'ala is praising the knowledge right at the beginning. Why? Because this is the generator. Mm-hmm. Right? So this is why knowledge is usually discussed immediately after Tawheed. Subhanallah. Mm-hmm. Are there any questions you'll ask? Subhanallah bihamdi ismarika Allahumma bihamdika ashtulahi lahi illa anta astafirika atu bilayka wa dibillahi min shaitan yim subhanahu rabbika rabbi al-izzati amma yisifun as-salamu ala al-mursaleem alhamdulillahi rabbi al-alimeen bismillahi rabbi al-alimeen wal-asr in insan lafi ghusr al-ladhina amunu wa amilu s-salihat wa rawasbil haq wa rawasbil sabat sadaqallahu alayhi wa sallam